Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Morning, everybody. Welcome to everyone watching online. Welcome everyone in the room. Uh, particularly welcome if it's your first time here at Saint. We hope you feel right at home. And uh, my name's Al. I help um, lead the team here. And it's such a treat to be able to speak to you this morning. We're continuing our spiritual fitness series, as Tammy has said. And today's message is simply called this, Fire and Arrow. Fire and Arrow. I've only ever been in one proper fight in my life, like a proper legit fight. I was 19 years old, and my friends and I were on a night out at university, and on the way back from the, the nightclub to the halls of residence, we got jumped by some guys who wanted like a proper fight. And I'd love to be able to say to you this morning that I stood my ground, that I was like, you know, I overcame by the word of my testimony in the blood of the Lamb, and I, and I prayed for, for victory, but I, I did not. I ran away, and I hid behind a hedge, until the fighting was over. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But you'll be relieved to know that today I'm not going to speak to you about physical fighting. That is not my specialist subject. I want to speak to you this morning what Ephesians describes as this. God reminds us in the book of Ephesians that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want to talk to you this morning about overcoming the battles that your soul will face in 2022. And we're going to read from two kings in the Old Testament. And if you have a Bible with you on your phone, you're welcome to get it out. Two kings, uh, chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 14 through to the end of 19, beginning of 20. So as we begin, let's pray. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is alive and active. Would someone say out loud with me this morning, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that the Bible has the power to change our lives, that your Word is alive and active. And we ask today that you would sharpen our thinking in Jesus' name so that we might overcome every battle we face, personally, corporately, in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Kings 13, verses 14 through to 20, a little bit of context as we begin. We are at the end of Elisha's life. Elisha, a very important figure in the story of the people of God, a prophet. And at this moment in Elisha's life, he is handing on his kind of succession to a king who will be selected by God and will go on and lead the nation. We read verse 14 together. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried. The chariots and horsemen of Israel, kind of nickname for Elisha. Elisha said this, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he'd taken it, look at this, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. This is really significant. Elisha is about to die. And what you would do when you wanted to impart your blessing, to kind of hand on the baton, a bit like in a relay race, with, with your successors, you would take your hands and you would lay those hands on that person. And, and you would bless them. Something significant is happening. As he lays his hands on the hands of the king, he's representing God. And he's commissioning him with spiritual authority. Something new is beginning in 
this moment in the life of the nation. And I believe this is an encouragement for someone here today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in the room today. God has his hands on your life. And today he is commissioning you in a new way for what he has ahead for you. But here's the thing, and you're going to learn this in the years ahead. When we step into God's calling for our lives, there will be battles. But think of Jesus. Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. And you'll remember that the Spirit leads him. The first thing that he does is to lead him where? Into the desert, where he is tempted by the devil, where he overcomes spiritually through battle. You see, the thing is this. When the Lord's hand is on you, you're going to see two things that will happen. Number one, you will experience blessing. And number two, you're going to experience battles. They go together because no blessing goes uncontested. So either the thing is we need as Christians to learn to fight or we're going to run away and hide behind that hedge. Hide in that habit, hide in that attitude, hide in that insecurity. Oh, you know, I I could never fight that battle because I don't have the confidence to do it. I'm not experienced. I'm not brave enough. So I'm just going to hide behind that hedge in my spiritual life rather than confronting the battle in my soul. Does that sound familiar to any of us? Elisha continues in verse 17. He says, open the east window. He opened it. Shoot, said Elijah, and he shot. And again, I want you to understand something. In the ancient world, when you wanted to begin a military campaign, you did something very significant. Steady on. It's a kid's bow and arrow. Just don't get too panicked. What you would do when you wanted to declare war is symbolically the king would take a bow and an arrow. And you would fire that bow and arrow symbolically in the direction of your enemy. You would literally declare war by firing it into the ground in the direction. It's a legal declaration of war. So if you wanted to declare war on this country over there, you would turn and face that country and you would declare war by firing that bow and arrow into the ground. And they fired through an open window to the east because their enemy was a nation called Aram that had been opposing the people of God. You see, to fire an arrow isn't just symbolic. It's to make a decision of the will, a declaration to take an action. I wonder what your battle is today. I mean, come on, what's your Aram today? What is it that stands between you and where God's calling you to be today? Or or let me put this another way. What are things that are going to come against you in your spiritual life, in your ambition, in in your dreams you have for your soul? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something secret that that no one knows but you in your heart. Maybe it's a fear that cripples you. Maybe it's it's a secret pattern of sin that just has you you trapped. Maybe it's a cycle of self-doubt that says, look, I, I, I can't get free of that thing. And so you live your life defined by your enemies and your soul never really lives at peace. Or maybe for you, it's the I could nevers. You know those? 
you know, I could never be free of that habit. Or, or I could never be free of that guilt. I could never make a success of that relationship. I could never see that situation turned around. Now, hands up here this morning, online as well. If you have been baptized, just raise a hand if you've ever been baptized as an infant, as an adult. Okay, if you haven't been baptized and you feel like you're missing out right now, we're doing baptisms in a few weeks' time, so you can get involved. But there's something that we do in the Anglican church when we baptize little children, that we stand as the church together and we speak over that child as they are entering into the the covenant that we are making before God for their life. We say these words that sometimes we just get lost to. You know, repetition breeds familiarity and, and the familiarity breeds contempt. And we say it every time we baptize someone, but we miss the significance of what we are baptizing them into. Have a look at the good old Anglican liturgy for baptism. It's going to come up on the screens right now. It says this. Would you read this with me out loud? This is what we say. We baptize a child, then we declare this over their life. Fight valiantly under the banner of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil, and continue his faithful soldiers and servants to the ends of your lives. So we say to a little baby who's coming into the faith, fight valiantly. And then we spend the rest of our days surprised that we're in a battle. You know, one of the greatest tragedies of the Christian life is that too many Christians function as spiritual pacifists. Too many times, instead of declaring war against sin, we sue for peace. Against injustice, we settle for compromise. We're quicker to make peace with the devil than we are to make our peace with God sometimes. Here's the point. Sometimes... In your life, you've just got to fire the first arrow. Again, in verse 17, Elisha says, shoot. The king takes the arrow and he shoots. You know, when you fire that first arrow, you move from being a victim to being a victor. It changes Not the situation necessarily around you, but it changes how you come into the fight that you are in. Look with me at verse, the verse continues, verse 17. No sooner has Elisha shot the arrow out of the window than the, uh, sorry, the king shot the arrow out of the window, then Elisha says this. He says, the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. You see, until that point, the king didn't know whether he was going to win the battles he was going to face. It was only when he fired the first arrow that he realized that it was the Lord's victory that he was walking in. You know, some of us today need to make that decision to stop living in a victim mentality in our spiritual lives and start living with a victory mentality. Amen? You know, you have agency in your spiritual walk to take authority over the situations around you. You know, maybe you're here today and you have been hurt and you've been broken. Fire that first arrow of forgiveness. Maybe you're here and you're facing an impossible situation. Fire that first arrow of faith. Maybe your cynicism and bitterness have started to steal your joy. Fire that first arrow of praise. Understand this. This first arrow is just a declaration of war. The battle's not over when you fire that first arrow. In fact, it's only just beginning. 
Elisha continues in verse 17. Look, with, look at this with me. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. God's plan for your life is for completeness, not compromise. That in the battle for your soul, you wouldn't be like constantly having to compromise. A bit like in football where it's like, I'm going to settle for 1-1 in extra time and wait for the final whistle to blow. That's not how God intends for us to live. He wants us to be 5-1 at the end of the game. To have learnt to walk in his victory that he's won for us. Amen? Verse 18, he continues, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. In other words, fire, keep firing out the window. So he takes the arrows, and the king starts firing, and he strikes the ground. He strikes it once, twice. He struck it three times, and then he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have completely destroyed the Arameans. Defeated Aram and completely destroyed it, but now you'll only defeat it three times. In other words, we're not called to just like take one arrow or maybe, maybe two arrows. The king thought, well, I'll just take three and, and that'll be enough. You know, if I just have like once, twice, and then once for luck, you know, and that'll be fine. That'll be just enough to make sure that I overcome this situation. Maybe, you know, he thought, well, this is a bit embarrassing. I'm here with this old dude and, you know, everyone's watching. I'm trying to declare war and I only need to do it once to declare war. That'll be fine. And he says, keep firing. So I'll do maybe twice and a third time. At that point, my dignity needs to kick in. I'm the king. I'm not like just shooting for fun here. Instead of like going the whole way, he just stops after three arrows. Does that sound familiar in your life? Certainly does in mine. You know, I'm going to declare war with that negative habit in my life. There's a situation where I want to see breakthrough. And, and I fire my first arrow, and I'm like, ah, nothing's changed. And I think, oh, I'm going to have another go, and I fire a second arrow, and, and nothing seems to change. And a third arrow, I'm like, these arrows don't work anymore. I'm done with firing arrows. Someone else is going to have to fight this fight, because it ain't going to be me. And sure enough, in the king's life, this prophecy would play out. And we read later on in that chapter that the king went on and he defeated Aram in battle three times. But he never won the war and lived in the peace that followed. You don't have to live your life oppressed. Jesus has won the victory at the cross for you. You're starting a battle which the result is already assured. The war has already been won. All we need to do is keep firing the arrows of faith and not give up. Look at me how Jesus does it. Jesus is our model in all these things. Jesus led to the, the desert, as you know, as I said, by the Holy Spirit, and he begins to fight. And he fires arrow after arrow. Listen to what happens. He says, it is written when the devil tempts him. Man will, will not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Another time, fires another arrow. Says, don't put God to the test. Again, a third time, the devil tempts him. And he comes, he says, worship God alone. And then the devil, it says, gives up and leaves him alone. He kept going until he walked in the victory. And what he does, what are the arrows he fights with? What is the word of God? Jesus 
the living word uses the word of God as his weapons. Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says the word of God is alive and active. Someone say alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. When you're facing a battle, friends, don't give up. Don't stop firing. Because it's often that fourth or that fifth arrow that really begins to see spiritual breakthrough. You know, maybe you're facing loneliness in your life, fire and arrow. Lord Jesus, you say that you are with me always, even to the end of the age. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction, fire and arrow. It's for freedom that Christ has set me free, Galatians says. Maybe you're tempted to commit adultery. Fire that arrow. He who promised is faithful. Maybe you're afraid of death or walking is surrounded in the valley of the shadow of death. Fire and arrow that says, Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. I will not be afraid. If you're tempted by pornography, fire that arrow. I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind. If you're struggling with depression, fire that arrow. The joy of the Lord is going to be my strength even though I walk in this situation. Your joy is more than enough for me. Come on someone. Maybe you're dealing with cancer. Well fire that arrow. By his wounds I have been healed. Maybe you're dealing with fear in your life and you're afraid Fire that arrow. Your perfect love casts out all fear. Maybe you're, you're struggling today with disappointment and failure. Fire that arrow. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen this morning. You know, we've got to learn to fight. Because when we learn to fight... We experience peace. We experience peace in our souls. And you have everything you need to win the war of the soul. Let me tell you about one time when I learned to keep firing those arrows in my life. So my father was married three times. And he'd had affairs. He'd given up on his relationships. He was a good guy. But he said to me um, one time, hey, listen, Al, when I was a teenager, he said, listen, I want to tell you something. He said to me, all Gordons get married three times. To me, your grandfather, it's like just a thing we do. It's like we have dark hair, we get married three times. And I'd watched the breakdown of my parents' marriage, my father's second marriage. And I look at my family tree still today, and, and like, my wife has like a really like, gorgeously simple family tree. Yeah, it's really easy to explain my family to, to my children, my wife's family to my children. I, I look at my family and it's like, it's complicated. Does anyone have a family like that? You look at it, you're like, oh wow. <laughs> it's like you need a bigger bit of paper, right? And I'd watched the breakdown of my parents' marriage. And so you could say that I had a low expectation of the sacrament and sanctity of marriage as a teenager. I had the sense of inevitability that my relationships would not last, that I could not be faithful. And not long after I became a Christian, I was staying with some friends in the highlands of Scotland. And it was quite a sort of posh dinner party. And I was sitting next to my friend Jenny. Uh, Jenny's watching online today, so you're going to uh, pray for her later. She was a real woman of God. 
And we're sitting there, and I'm talking to her, and the starter had come out. I'm sitting there trying to kind of like pretend I know what I'm doing. And this, this um, conversation went like this. She said to me, tell me about your life. Well, I said, well, I've, you know, I've got quite a complicated family. And, and my dad, you know, I started talking about this. I said how my dad said to me, you know, all Gordons get married three times. How there's been unfaithfulness and, and breakdown. And over the starter, I'll never forget, I can still picture what I was eating. She stopped and she turned to me and she said, that stops here, right now. She grabbed that arrow and it was like God was speaking to me. She said, no more. It was like God was laying his hand on my hand. She said to me, you know, we need to deal with this today, right now. And in that moment, I remember experiencing a sense of God laying his hands on my hands. You see, the calling is God's. God lays his hands on your hands. But the agency is ours. Just as Elisha lays his hands on the king, it's the king who has to pull the bow back and fire that arrow. So in that moment as we're sitting there, she says to me, this has to stop right now. She says, it's no good for you to say all Gordons get married three times. That is not God's plan for your life. And she stands up and says, we're dealing with this right now. And she fires the arrow. So I said to my host, hey, I'm really sorry. Um, we've just got to go and deal with something. Is it all right if you like, like keep our main course? We're just going to be a, a couple of minutes. And my friends who are with us, a couple of them Christians, and they were like, let's pray for ours. We went to the next door room. And I got down on my knees and I just started repenting. And my friends, Jenny, started praying for me. And they were like, thank you, Lord, that Al is a new creation in Jesus' name, that the old has gone, the new has come. And as we're praying, the Holy Spirit begins to fill me. I'm sitting there on my knees on the floor of this, this room, and I literally become overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. And I began to see this, this vision. And this has only happened to me a few times in my life. And um, I hadn't been drinking or like, you know, it wasn't like that kind of night. I'm just like there and the Holy Spirit comes and I see this extraordinary sight as I'm kneeling and my eyes are closed I look down and around my ankles are these huge chains the kind of chains you'd see docking a ship and I look at these chains I think oh no I am captive I cannot be free from this adultery that's gone through generation after generation in my family. I cannot be free of unfaithfulness. I cannot be free of commitment, lack of commitment. I'm trapped by this. And then I looked at these chains and they were like going down into this pit. I can still see it today. And up these chains were crawling these horrible creatures. I thought, this is bad. It's not the kind of thing you want to see when you're looking at the state of your soul. And then I looked up and as I was praying, I saw, and I've only seen this a couple of times in my life, I saw Jesus walk in my vision towards me. And he came and he wrapped his arms around me. He literally laid his hands over my arms, my hands, and he held me. As I was there on my knees, he knelt down next to me and put his arms around me. And then I heard this extraordinary sound, like a, a kind of avalanche like a horrible like roar. It sounded like an avalanche coming from all different directions. And I realized it was God's wrath 
against this sin that had caused such dysfunction in my family for so long. And it was like an avalanche. And I thought, when I heard it, I thought, oh no. It's justice coming for these broken lives and these hurt marriages and these unfaithfulness. And I saw it and I thought, I am stuffed. There's nothing I can do right now. I thought, I'm going to die. And then as, as this sound got closer and closer and closer, and the only way I can describe it is like a bomb going off all around me. That wave hit us. And I remember looking at Jesus and seeing him flinch and absorb that blow. And in that moment, I understood that because of the cross, the battle belongs to Jesus now. When you give your life to Jesus, the victory is won for you already at the cross. Your victory over sin and death and compromise and unfaithfulness and addiction and adultery and whatever it is that's holding you back has already been won for you at the cross. It's his hands resting on our hands. It's his arms wrapped around us. All we have to do is fire an arrow. And he does the rest. And I knew from that moment that I was going to make it, that something had changed, that I was going to be safe, that the chains were gone. I looked down, I remember seeing nothing, just feet, (laughs) and thinking, I'm free. I'm actually free. You know, that decision to stand up from that dinner table was one of the most important decisions I've made in my life. The inconvenience of saying, hey, put my main course in the microwave. i got to do some business with Jesus tonight. was one of the most important things I've ever done. I got married to my wife, Olivia, a few years ago. Well, a few years later. It's quite a long time ago. When we were 24, we got married. We were like the first of our friends to get married. We couldn't wait to get married. And in the years since, I've kept firing those arrows. Hey, sure, there have been temptations. There have been moments where I thought, I I can't do this. But every time I'm faced with a challenge, I I keep firing that arrow. I keep going again and again and again. And so I stand here today, by the grace of God, to tell you that, that next month, the 2nd of February, Liv and I will have been married for 20 years. This... Gordon is not going to get married three times in Jesus' name. God is able to do more in your life than you could ever imagine. God's hands are on your hands. God's call is on your life. God's word is in your heart. His spirit has filled you. Greater is he who lives in you that lives than he who lives in the world. Nothing is impossible for God. But sometimes we've just got to fire that first arrow. Sometimes we've just got to take a stand and say, no, this is the moment I'm going to fire that arrow. Maybe some of you here today, you've been like, I could fire that arrow, but I know I've tried it before and I've given up. Well, hey, keep going. Keep firing those arrows. Some of us here today have come from really broken situations. Maybe you've walked in your life through broken marriages, through divorced parents. Maybe your marriage has been a real challenge. You know what? God is the God who makes all things new. 
Don't let the devil tell you the war is over. Because it's not. He's able to bring dead things back to life. He's able to heal and restore and make new your heart, even when you thought it was impossible. His hands are on your hands today. All we've got to do is fire the first arrow in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't we take a moment, and whether you're watching online or you're in the room, I'm going to ask us to take a moment right now and to allow the Holy Spirit to take what we've heard in our ears and our heads today and to drop it into our hearts. Because as Hebrews says, the word of God is alive and active. He wants to bring activation in your life today. He wants you to leave this place a little bit stronger, a little bit more confident, knowing that you are loved, that his blessing is on you, that you can overcome the battles that you face. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.